Did you know email marketing has a return on investment of $36 for every $1 spent? Neither did I before recording this episode. But on episode 58 of Tower After Hours, we are talking all things email. We're diving into how to know if email marketing is right for you, how to create a subscriber base, how to craft a creative campaign, and how to get started. This was a really good one and it's jam-packed with a lot of great information. So enjoy. Welcome back to episode 58 of Tower After Hours. We are going to discuss how to determine if email marketing is right for your client. Today I am joined by our content team lead here at Tower Marketing, Grace. She's been on a few episodes before, but we are also joined by a new voice, a new guest to the podcast, Danae, who is our email marketing specialist here at Tower. Thank you both for joining me this morning. So um, speaking about this topic, my day-to-day in the marketing world, you know, I'm typically writing blogs, website content, ad campaigns, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, that sort of thing. I don't really know a whole lot about email marketing. And I think if you're listening to this, you're probably in the same boat. A lot of the, the blog topics, actually, I found um, researching this, this topic was the same thing. Like, is email marketing right for me? Is it worth it? How do I even start doing it? Um, and that's exactly what we want to talk about today. So, Danae, I think you're up first. Can you just take us through uh, how to determine if email marketing is right for a client, for a business? Um, what are its benefits? You know, how do you get started? The whole Yeah, name. absolutely. There aren't really many situations where email marketing isn't going to be a beneficial tool for you and your business. Um, it's great for e-commerce, obviously, um, sending people uh, new product launches or coupons or reminders, abandoned cart. Um, it's great for people who regularly put out blog posts, how-to guides, um, any kind of valuable content for their customers. Yeah, that, that's great. So um, one thing you mentioned really quickly there, just to, to break down some terms, so abandon cart. Um, one of the things I came across researching for email marketing is things like conditional emails, abandoned cart emails. Can you break down really quickly what that means? Because it seemed like uh, pretty cool and it, it seems like a really uh, beneficial aspect uh, and something kind of unique, if you will, to email marketing, how it functions how it kind of helps uh, a business, helps uh, push a customer in a, in a certain direction in their journey? Yeah, so abandoned carts are incredibly effective. Um, you pretty much have a customer who's already on the cusp of making their purchase and maybe for some reason they got distracted or they didn't have their credit card on them at the time and they just need that little extra nudge to get them to make that final sale. Um, I think mm-hmm. ab- about... Um, Approximately one third of abandoned cart emails result in a sale. Yeah, I, that was so. I mean, I've had those now that you say it, like it, just in my own life, like exactly what you said with how people go about shopping. Like, oh, I'll, let me put this in my cart either for later or like I just don't have my debit card on me. I don't have like the number saved. I haven't shopped on this platform before. And I think like specifically, I was buying a guitar once and there was like only a few left in stock and I had it in my cart and I had gotten an email like later that day or a day after or something that was like, don't forget, you know, this is in your cart. There's only like eight left in stock or something. And it legitimately, like that legitimately works. Cause I was like, oh, I kind of forgot even that it was in my cart and I want it. 
And so that's a that's a really a, a great point I think you make about sort of the the uniqueness of email marketing. It can do certain things like that. You know, maybe somebody comes across a piece of content, comes across like your landing page when they're looking for a product and that sort of drives them down the funnel. But to then push them to email marketing where it can be, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it can be a little bit more, even interactive sometimes. It can send you those updates, those reminders that you know you're not going to get from some other forms of content or other uh, marketing uh, angles, things like that. Um, that's great. That, that's, that's really good to know. So one other thing, Danae, that I'm curious uh, about, one of the things I found uh, checking out email marketing and other, other forms of, of marketing, social media, content, that sort of thing, was um, its ROI and it being very effective um, in the long term. Can you talk about that as well as um, maybe even like how many uh, people or Americans interact with their email on a daily basis? I think if we can break down, hey, it's beneficial for uh, businesses, it's beneficial for people in terms of like the money they spend with the money they can get back, their ROI, but also it's sort of playing on the fact that a lot of people are, are still really engaged in their email. They're seeing it all the time. They're checking it. Do you have any sort of further info on that? Yeah, so there's kind of this myth circulating that email is dead and no one checks their email and it's not a very effective form of marketing, but it really is. Um, you can expect to see between 36 and $44 return on every $1 spent, which is pretty incredible. You can get a, a really good uh, return on your investment with email. And uh, I, there's various studies out there about how many people check their email and how often, but on average, I was seeing that about 90% of Americans check their email every day. Yeah, I, I definitely fall into that group. I have like, just obviously like everybody probably, you know, your email is just on your iPhone, whatever you have, Android, smartphone. Um, and I'll just like, oh, I feel like I honestly check it more than I check um, like Instagram app or like a Facebook or something. I'll, and I don't even have a lot of important things going to my personal email, for instance. <laughs> But it is kind of the habit. Like I'll just check it um, multiple times throughout the day just to see. And I'm also one of those people who do have a lot of unread emails in there. But I'm like checking to see if there's anything important or, again, just like that habit. So I think um, one of the things we do try to do in marketing and hopefully with integrity, but it's to play off of people's habits. Where are they? Where are users? What are people doing? What are they checking? And then how can we help them sort of get what they want from there? But that's a staggering statistic, like 90% of Americans, I'm certainly one of them, so it's not hard to believe, but that's a crazy number, especially going back to the ROI, yeah. you said, I think, I think maybe that right, 36, like every 36 to $44, Thir yeah, for every $36 spent. to $44 for every yeah, $1 spent, which is yeah. pretty incredible. That's awesome. And Danae, what is, what is an average, uh, like click to open kind of engagement rate for email if you had to guess and ballpark that um it really varies by industry but i would say the click to open rate might range between 10 to 15 percent on average yeah. for you know big email blasts now obviously we we strive to have a much mm -hmm. higher number than that that's still really good if you if you think about companies are always looking at like i gotta do social but yeah Typically, the engagement rates we see from organic social, it's great if you have one person at, as like the minimum, you know, a lot of companies mm -hmm. fall under yeah. that unless like depending on your industry, you just do better on organic social. But 
Like, email yeah. is substantially higher than that in terms of how willing people are to engage with it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's not maybe it's not comparable really to say, but like, if I'm getting that right, the 10 to 15% open rate. I mean, if, if you're thinking of like, what you're looking for on LinkedIn, you know, if you're like, a, if you have like a 2% click through rate on your ad, you're like, this is awesome, you know, and you have like a good click through rate. So yeah. I don't know if it's fully comparable there again, like I, my caveat in the beginning was I'm learning about email marketing really on this podcast, like hopefully the people listening. But I mean, that sounds like a that sounds like <laughs> a crazy open rate, uh, even there. Yeah, I mean, open rate really is, it's, there's different metrics that you can judge by, obviously, it depends on what your goal is. Are you getting out content that you just want your customers to read the email and that's enough information or do you want them to take a step further and click, which is usually the goal is to get them to take a secondary action and that's the goal of the email typically. Yeah, okay. So um, if you could speak to this a little bit more, um, so I think talking about the benefits of uh, like an email marketing campaign, it's got a good, uh, it can have a great open rate. Um, it can have great ROI. It's playing off the fact that a whole bunch of Americans are checking their email every day. So it's not a bad idea to sort of be where the people are, so to speak. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how somebody that gets started building uh, a subscriber base? Like how they, if, if people are like, okay, I'm convinced I want to get into email marketing, but like I don't even know how to sort of get started with with building that list. Are there sort of do's and don'ts of building uh, an email marketing list that you've experienced throughout your career in email marketing so far? Things that you would say, hey, here's a good uh, way to go about it. And maybe even here's some things you definitely don't want to do when you're trying to build up that subscriber base. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like with anything else, you want to do it with integrity. Like you had mentioned earlier, you want to make sure that you're capturing your leads in an organic way, a way that's natural. You definitely don't ever want to be purchasing lists. That's a big no-no in the world of email marketing. That'll get you on a spam list real quick. So you definitely don't want to go down that road. You want to be giving people the opportunity to give you their email address as they yeah. see fit. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's really good. I guess that's where the sort of uh, cohesion between those sort of different, if you think of like an agency between those different teams, like, you know, me on content, you and email marketing. I mean, we're, I guess both in content, but you know, content, email marketing, um, kind of you want to, you know, maybe this landing page is going to bring somebody to subscribe to the email and that email is going to maybe lead somebody to social or social email and then back to content. You know, however, that sort of cohesion is worked out. Um, that's, that's a really good point. But the big no-no I'm hearing there is don't purchase. <laughs> Does that just mean like you can like go on like questionable sites and buy email addresses that you can sort of spam with your campaigns? Yeah, so unfortunately there are some uh, unreputable sources you can get email lists from um, in general, in your specific industry per se, they might have a list of teachers or contractors or whatever the case may be of emails that they've somehow acquired that they will give to you for a certain price. but because those people aren't expecting to receive anything from you, um, you're much more likely to be marked as spam. And it's also, it's unethical and illegal as far as I know. Yeah, well does anything happen if you're marked as spam? Like does that, this might be a silly question, but that does that affect sort of like how? Oh yeah, okay, oh, yeah like that's, a big, that's a big problem if you're marked as spam because you'll start to end up on blacklists, meaning that your emails won't 
be delivered. They'll go right to the spam folder or they might not be delivered at all. And there's a, a long and arduous process to remove yourself from spam lists. So you really don't ever want to go down that road if you can avoid it. Oh, shoot. So, so let's say, let's say I was receiving a bunch of emails I don't want from a business and maybe I even opted out and it's still coming. And so like I market a spam, it goes in my spam folder. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of previously thought that was just like for me, but like if enough people are doing that, does oh, that yeah. mean that like you said, you can wind up on like blacklist or something like that. Does that mean that even the emails then that you were sending out to people who didn't mark you as spam can go like straight to spam folders? Does that question make sense? Oh, absolutely. You as an organization, your domain will get flagged. So until you clear up that uh, kerfuffle that you've caused, then (laughs) you can't really um, be messaging anyone at that point. So it's really a bad thing. That's a fantastic thing to know. I legitimately didn't know that. Now I kind of feel bad for marketing things as spam. Or maybe not, because maybe they're actually... Yeah, I, 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 it depends. <laughs> if they haven't earned your trust and they're abusing your email address, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the system that keeps them accountable. That's yeah, a, exactly. I had, did not know that before. That's, that's a really good tidbit. So, I mean, we've mentioned this before. I think so. the recurring theme here, I feel like, in, in everything in, in business and hopefully life, right? you, you kind of want to proceed with integrity. So we've talked about that a few times already here, but... Um, when you're crafting an email marketing uh, campaign, Danae, is there anything that you are, like even maybe it's the way that you design it or, you know, whatever. Are there specific things that you're trying to pay attention to that will help people open it, help people engage with it, but that um, you're, but you're also aware like, well, I don't want to come across as like annoying. I don't want to come across as like, you know, spammy. I can think of ways that I might go about trying to do that with content I write or social media campaigns that I run. Um, But what do you think about when you're crafting an email for an email marketing campaign? Again, maybe it's the way that you design it and make it look or the the title that you use to open it. Are there maybe some best practices that you've developed uh, throughout your time doing it that you think can translate to to other people looking to get into email, email marketing? Yeah, absolutely. There are so many factors that go into getting someone to interact with your email. I mean, the first step is the time of day that it lands in their inbox. Is, is it at a time when they're actually going to be in a position to open and check their email? Um, after that point, is the subject line going to be something that entices them to open it? So there's, before that you even open the email, there are so many steps to set up in place to make sure that they're going to be receiving it at an optimal time, that the subject line is gonna be enticing, that it's going to be something that's relevant to them. You wanna make sure that your tone is correct, that you're, if you're marketing to a more upscale business, that you choose your wording more carefully and you might not be as fun and, and easy-go-lucky as you might with a different, more relaxed brand. You know, it's, it's all about making sure that the content is tailored to your audience. And then the same thing once they actually open the email. You wanna be making design choices, obviously, that align with their brand so that anyone who looks at it can instantly recognize, oh, this email is in conjunction with their website and their social posts. You wanna make it cohesive. You wanna have a really clear call to action so that, you, the, so that the customer knows what steps they're expected to take next point you made on cohesion like design elements that's something that i think i've mentioned to you before but like you know in the office we'll work together and i'll look over and be like that looks really nice <laughs> like i forget I'm like, oh you were a designer and you know how to do this and it's not and i but it's a it's a valid point i think that you make and it's one that uh i would encourage you know if you're listening to 
listening to this to take to heart because um, just like anything, I think getting started, you know, you can be like, oh, I can do this. Like, let me just write a blog and it's just a, a thing of text and I'll throw it up on a website or something, right? And, um, or, you know, I can do an email marketing campaign. I just, like you said, don't do this, but maybe somebody's like, well, you know, this place I can purchase lists and I'll just kind of blast out an email and write to it and, you know, but I think keeping in mind that all of those uh, sort of mediums are, you know, design, they're, they're not the, the be all end all. We're not trying to just get somebody to read a blog and be like, wow, great blog. We're not just trying to get somebody to read an email and be like, wow, that was a great email. Cause I don't even think people really say that, but um, we want it, like you said, have a very clear call to action, make it cohesive. Your business logo is there. Maybe you have like the, you know, in, in the footer of the email, you have social links to this, the relevant social media profiles you have. Maybe it goes to your website. And then you again, you're helping the person along on their journey and and pushing them to wherever uh, is we think is best for them to go. And maybe that email leads to the website or back to a social or wherever. Um, but all of those elements are coming together to try to help them in the next, uh, you know, further down the funnel, if you will, um, which is which is great. We want it to be actionable. And I think, like you said, that's something that can help uh, people from just going, no, this is spam. There's nothing in it for me. So market is spam. And like you said, all the, the negative consequences that can have for your business. Yeah, there's rarely a situation where the end goal is to get them just to open an email. Really, the email is a step in the process of getting them to look at your new product or read the blog post you just put out or enter a contest on social media. Email is a conduit for your greater goals as an organization. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I, I mean, is there anything else uh, that you have for us specifically you sort of want to call out with email marketing? I think you made a, a, a bunch of great points there, um, legitimately things that I didn't know. Um, so hopefully that, that's beneficial to people. But if there's anything else you sort of want to, want to run over with us, feel free. Um, I would just say that people should keep in mind that email marketing, it seems... It's not very flashy, it's not very sexy, it's not maybe as fun as social, it's not maybe as in-depth as writing blogs, but it is an important step in the process as far as learning more about your customers, being able to interact with them directly, learning more about their habits and their preferences. There's so many things that you can do with email that you can't do with other platforms that people don't really think about. People don't really think about how simple it can be to People don't really think about all the benefits that can come with email, like sending it as soon as someone takes an action online or personalizing it with their first name. Mm. Just little things that you can do that make it a lot more, make people a lot more likely to engage with it. Yeah, that's awesome. That that first name part you make there, like just helping the sort of customer. It's almost like a, you know, if you have a, a, a tangible product, that unboxing experience, if you can make it uh, personal so that like that customer experience is heightened, same same thing there with email. Those little things like that, uh, that's a huge benefit to email, I think. That's a great, great point. Um, cool. I, Grace, I think you're up next. Um, what do you have for us on determining if email marketing is right for your client, right for your business? We covered a lot of great stuff so far, but I'm sure you have some extra good little things for us as well. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of uh, what I'm going to say ties in nicely with what Danae was saying. We both share similar sentiments on it, right? Um, you know, in thinking about that question, I would say if you're a business considering email, here's an important thing to consider. I mean, do you want to reach an audience 
without the interruption of an algorithm that you can't control. If you're wondering what I mean by that, I mean, social is important for every business. I do think that each business should be looking at the right platforms that they need to be on. It's important to be in that space, but we know that through the years with all the evolutions of social media algorithms, it is really hard to even reach the people that follow you without paying and doing paid advertising. Uh, and certainly paid advertising is really great too. That's not a diss on it, but email just gives you a level of access that social media isn't even giving you to your own followers. Um, so yes, email is for you. If you want to have that kind <laughs> of influence and you want to be connecting with the people that said, yes, I want to connect with you. Great. Use email to your advantage. Um, because that's another kind of arm for you to have. That's what Danae was saying. It's an outreach tool. And I love that approach because if you've invested in content and you're building your site out, if you don't have any kind of distribution in place, the impact of it just doesn't have as much teeth to it. Um, sure, if you're doing SEO optimized content, you're gonna be found in organic search and that's a part of it, but People who know you aren't necessarily like, oh, did the new blog drop today? I got to go check, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's not how it works, really. At the end of the day, if you're going to try to really maximize all the marketing that you're doing, you should have support in place to distribute different pieces of content. And that doesn't just have to be a blog. It can be deals. It can be uh, your podcast. I know, Danny, you did an awesome little recording for our, one of our tower emails that we slipped in around the holidays. You know, get creative with it, but know that email gives you that arm to reach out and to push your content further because there are people out there who will enjoy it. It's just that we're so inundated that unless someone puts something in front of us like that, I'm probably not going to go and seek it out. So, um, you know, Danae was talking about how high the percentage um, of Americans is that are looking at their email every day. I even saw a stat somewhere tied to that that was saying 19% of those people are checking their inbox several times a day, That's which, right. yeah, I, I feel that. <laughs> I got to get all those notifications down by the end of the night, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's great even, you know, further building on top of that, apparently 51% of email users in the U.S. go through their email to search for online deals. So especially if you're in retail, there's great opportunity uh, to be sending deals and pushing that kind of information through. We know people look for it. Um, again, there are probably some caveats to how you want to do that. You don't want to do that too frequently. So so that being said, yes, I think businesses should be considering email. But I do think there are three caveats if you're going to start. Um, the first one ties in with already what Danae was saying. Like you need to have good content to actually share. It needs to be helpful. Um, because if it's not, you're going to get on spam lists. You're going to get unsubscribes, all of that. So Make sure that if your business is lacking content, maybe start there before you jump right into email. Start to build out some kind of library first, right? Yeah, you want to make sure you have something valuable to say before you just start shouting from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah, and, and you shouldn't have messaging that's just like, 
buy this, buy this, buy this, mm-hmm. or, you know, talk to our team, talk to our team. Like you're not giving people any value through content that's only self-serving for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the first caveat. The second one ties in with that. You need to provide actual value in what you're sending. So I think in an earlier podcast, we were talking about email marketing and I referenced this analogy of every time you send an email, imagine you're standing in that person's living room because you actually might be depending where they're checking their email these days. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there are things we all know that you do and you don't do when you're in someone else's living room, right? If you (laughs) hog the conversation and don't let anyone get a word in edgewise, you might not be invited back to the living room. Um, If you come in and you weren't invited, you might not be invited back to the (laughs) living room. (laughs) And I think you get where that's going, right? Yeah, they're gonna put a lock on their front door. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so the inbox is the same. That's right, you gotta treat it with respect because it's very easy for someone to maybe let you in their living room and then never let you in there again. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the third and last point is just that you need to find the right email cadence. I think that greatly varies on the industry that you're in, but I'm sure each of us could right now name a few brands that we just get too many emails from right yeah <laughs> and some of them i've somehow unsubscribed mm-hmm. and i still get daily emails that's yeah good. that's yeah. not that shouldn't be illegal <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's spam you're going to just spam. know who your audience is and how often they want to hear from you i don't know today maybe you have a good recommendation like what's a good rule of thumb if we're looking at a B2B business versus a B2C? That's a good question. I would say a B2B communication is going to be a lot more focused. It's going to be a lot more straightforward. It's just whatever the person needs to know, you're sending that along, something actionable. It's gonna be very cut and dry um, versus a B2C is going to be a lot more fun and engaging and you're trying to get them to interact with all your other channels potentially Um, i would say a b2c cadence is going to be more potentially event-based content-based you know you might send out messaging around the holidays if you're putting items on sale Um, a b2b cadence is going to be a lot more dependent on internal factors versus external factors like the calendar i would say yeah so maybe like you're sending out a monthly email for that Mm -hmm. b2b yeah right um because certainly if it's national pretzel day no one is expecting your b2b company (laughs) to weigh in on it (laughs) i guess it depends on the business but yeah (laughs) probably not (laughs) But if you're, yeah, if you're that B2C company, you should be maybe a little more frequent, a little more on, on yeah. top of people's minds, depending how active you are. Definitely, maybe a, maybe a good way to look at it is if you feel like you're stretching for email content, you should mm-hmm. probably look at your cadence. Yes. You know, if you're running out of things to say, are you emailing too often? Yep. 
but if you have more to say, do you need to re-examine that, right? Like, ah, we have so many events and we're still just sending one email a month. Okay, maybe it's time to consider two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I just know that as far as uh, successful email marketing campaigns, Domino's has gotten me multiple times with <laughs> the five ninety nine two media pizzas or something. So it works, you know. Yeah. I didn't ask for it, but I check my email Chipotle all the time. And definitely does. Um, yeah, Chipotle definitely does <laughs> the same thing for me. They, I don't love them that much, but if they're giving me like a free side, yep. or something, sure, yeah. I'll consider going <laughs> there now. I'm pretty sure they listen to you because I've definitely gotten Domino's emails right after mentioning that I wanted to get pizza for dinner. Like, <laughs> it's too eerie. It's too... Yeah. That's suspicious. I've mentioned yeah. this on the podcast before, I think, but our designer, you know, he was like, needed to get a new bed, I think, for the new house he was moving into, but like, didn't know where to start. So he was like, I'm just going to talk about it in front of my phone a lot and then just get, get served <gasps> these ads in the coming week. So to make it easier, and I think he said it worked. You know, he would. Oh, that's so, so sus. He's making it work for himself. At least he's aware. Um, but two, yeah, I mean, two great points you brought up, Grace. I mean, one, I think just just starting um, small here, if you will, you mentioned about sort of, I think, like the market penetration rate of emails. Like it's almost like 91%. And, and you can think about on social, Facebook, again, this is not a disc because it, it can be absolutely great. But like the algorithm, I think on Facebook, you know, if you're posting organically, it's not going to favor you as a business so much. Um, it's going to serve it, you know, it's it's sort of prioritizing your algorithm with maybe some like the if you're just a, a regular person on Facebook, so to speak, other people on Facebook. And you're not, you know, even though you follow a page, that doesn't mean it's going to be, you know, served in your feed all the time. And you're going to see it that much. And like you said, that's where paid advertising can be uh, is of great benefit. Um, but email marketing, I mean, playing off the fact that so many people are checking it, uh, uh, you know, once a day at least, and then even more, or, you know, uh, of that group, people are also checking it multiple times a day. Um, it makes a lot of sense to to be there. But I mean, the analogy with, uh, you know, picturing yourself in somebody's living room with an email marketing campaign is great. Because like you said, you very well might be. Um, you know, somebody's lying in their bed before the end of the night, they're going to bed and they're like going through their phone or something. And again, even though, um, even though like you're not physically there, obviously with them, there is a sense of integrity and sort of personal space as marketers that you want to respect because it is still their privacy. It's, you know, we call it our private inbox or personal inbox or something. And so even, uh, you know, even though it's digital or whatever, uh, respecting that and sort of building up um, brand integrity that way is really important. And I think that's just a really easy, great way of thinking about it. Picture you, you know, you speaking to them, um, face to face, um, you, you would, you know, not walk in their room shouting and taking over the conversation. So translating that to email marketing campaigns is a, uh, a great, great way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it can be, um, a little challenging in email because you have been invited into that space. So what you're offering them needs to be relevant to them specifically versus social. I'm much less offended if I see a social ad that doesn't necessarily apply to me and my interest. You know, that's not for me. Yeah. Versus an email that I get and they're expecting me to open and interact with it and be okay with that when I haven't given them any permission to do so. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we got 
too far down this path, but depending on the system you're in and how advanced the features are, you can start to uh, really collect a lot of data on the people mm-hmm. you're emailing in order to narrow that list down more. So instead of sending an email to 300 people who expressed an interest in your product, you're tagging people as they move through your site. And then mm-hmm. you can actually send that email to anyone that's actually visited that product page, knowing they're probably more interested than your general email list. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that. Um, some some email systems, you can even take notes on different contacts that you have, depending how granular you want to get with that. Like you could go in and manually add information about them, um, which we've seen that be helpful for B2B businesses, mm-hmm. where maybe you're building relationships with people who are new to your company, you're getting to know them, you add them to your email list. Maybe you're meeting them in person too, though, but you can actually collect details in your email system to just learn about how to better communicate and build that relationship. So it's kind of yeah. cool. One of the things that's great about email is all the data you get from it, um, when and if people opened, what they clicked on, then beyond that, what they did on the website. And you can collect all that information and start to really uh, create a profile of someone and what you think that they're going to be interested in from you in the future. And in addition to just the analytics side of it, there's also just the option to send them questions directly in the form of a survey. And you can get a lot of great data that way as well. That's great. Okay, so putting myself in the listener's shoes, I'm understanding the benefits to email marketing. Um, I'm sold on it, if you will, right? Um, But Grace, I think you you mentioned this briefly, uh, depending on what sort of platforms you use, there's different sort of uh, abilities you have with it. But if I'm looking to get started, you know, how do I even go about doing this? Obviously, just like, I need some sort of platform. I don't, it doesn't sound really doable for me to just sort of open up my email and then create some emails and, and, you know, send it to a whole bunch of lists. So like what, what, uh, what are some tools that, that we can use uh, to, what are tools that we use? What are some tools that people can use to sort of get started on email marketing campaigns um, and create some really nice stuff that they can sort of build uh, an organic following with over time? I think it depends on the goals. You should definitely sit down and figure out how robust your email is going to be to start. Um, if you're looking for a simple system and you're planning to use it really just to send out a few newsletters over the next few months, and that's really all you want to get into at this point. Um, I know we've seen different clients really enjoy using MailChimp because that's pretty user-friendly. Um, or constant contact is another one that is decent. Uh, but if you're looking to do more complex things, right? If you want to even start collecting that data, like me and Danae were talking about, our team really likes active campaign. There's a lot of nice features in there. You can do regular email, you can do marketing automation, you can do interest tagging, lead scoring. It It's a fancier system than some of the other ones out there. Um, certainly not the fanciest, but it's got a lot of nice features in it. And uh, if you're gonna try to do more robust things, that's a route I would encourage folks to look at. What do you think, Danae? Yeah, definitely. There's multiple options to choose from and they're all getting more competitive in terms of their features and their abilities. So. Definitely MailChimp is a great one in terms of its simplicity, its ease of use, and they have a lot of blogs and articles that are also great for people who are just starting out. 
So I would recommend that one for newbies, definitely. Or Active Campaign is also fairly user-friendly if you have any email marketing experience at all. Um, but it does definitely have a lot more robust features that someone who's just starting out might not have much use for. I guess the one thing to look for is to make sure that the reputation of whoever you go with mm -hmm. is good. Yes, right? there's something called sender <laughs> reputation that makes a big difference in whether your emails will get delivered to the inbox. It's, it's not necessarily that they've been marked as spam or not, but there's kind of an invisible metric that inboxes use to say, well, if the email is coming from this IP address, it's more trustworthy than other sources. Mm -hmm. And some of those platforms really vet the list you're uploading. I'm sure you've seen mm -hmm. that too, Danae, where some platforms won't let you upload a list unless you have actual verified proof that those people have opted in for emails. Mm -hmm. So like that goes back to the purchasing lists problem. Like mm -hmm. if you're in one of those higher end systems and you're running in, you'll run into that roadblock. If you buy a list and try to import thousands of contacts, they likely won't let you because you have no proof those folks opted to hear from you. Yeah, that's very good to know. Very helpful too. Um, Great. I mean, that covers a whole lot. I really did learn way more about uh, email marketing than I knew before, which admittedly, I didn't know much, but uh, we are learning and I hope you listening have learned as well. Um, before you uh, sign off, wherever you're listening to this, be sure to like, um, click subscribe, whether you are on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or checking us out on towermarketing.net. Stop in and say hello. Um, thank you for listening. Until uh, next time, this has been Tower After Hours.